Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. I'd be rolling torpedoes, get blunted with Rostas, <laughs> and for a hefty fee, I'm on your record, like Bob Costas. With Brooke Grimsley and uh, with Carrie Davis, I'm Randy Carricker. Good to have you with us here on 101 ESPN. Bob Costas with some ludicrous on MLB tonight. <laughs> Joining us here on the Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN, the, the multi-talented Robert Costas. Good morning, sir. How are you? You know, it's really kind of unsettling to realize that what you just played <laughs> is somewhere in my obituary. Oh, no. <laughs> Might, it might not be the first paragraph, but it's in there somewhere. <laughs> hey, Bob, it was great to see you last night in the documentary, uh, It Ain't Over, about Yogi Bear is Great. And I, I don't think I've ever asked you this, but when I got into this business, it was so cool for me to get to know people like Lou Brock and Bob Gibson and Ted Simmons, who I, I had watched growing up. And you developed such a great relationship with people like Yogi and Joe DiMaggio and, and Mickey Mantle. How did that affect you? How, how Is that something that because you put your head down and you're a broadcaster and you're doing your job, yeah. but did, did you savor getting to know those people that you had watched as a kid? Absolutely. I've often said this. You know, you always try to be professional, and I hope I have been most of the time, but if it's something that first struck you as a kid, it's going to resonate differently with you when, as an adult, you cross paths with these people, not only interview them, but in many cases become friends with them. So the way I put it, you know, I was lucky enough to be part of chronicling Michael Jordan's career, a good portion of it on NBC, and I'll always treasure that. But when I met Wilt Chamberlain or Jerry West or somebody from my youth, that had a different effect on me than Michael Jordan or now LeBron James. And so Hank Aaron and Stan Musial and Ted Williams, Joe DiMaggio, Willie Mays, Mickey Mantle, that has a different effect on me than if I were to meet Shohei Otani, which I never have at this point or someone like Mike Trout, or, or whoever are the reigning greatest players in the game today. Sandy Koufax and Bob Gibson are a different thing for me than Adam Wainwright. I'm older than everybody now. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 please, Dusty Baker, don't retire. <laughs> At least Tony LaRusso went and retired. I just want to see one person older than me in a uniform when I go to the ballpark. Bob, what did you think of the documentary? And obviously you had a big part of it as well. It just felt like a beautiful story to kind of fall in love with, much like Yogi Berra himself. Yeah, they did a wonderful job. His granddaughter, Lindsay, who has a background in the media, uh, very well-spoken and understands storytelling. Uh, Lindsay was the impetus behind it. And I think it's a good blend of his playing career, which to a certain extent is underappreciated, especially by younger fans, because they know him as this almost cartoon character who says really funny things that have their own internal logic. But it blended that aspect of him, the great baseball playing aspect for seven straight years uh, in the 50s. He finished no lower than fourth in MVP voting and won it three times. Um, but the Yankees had so many great players through the years, Ruth and Gehrig and DiMaggio and Mantle, and then subsequently Jeter and Mariano Rivera and Reggie Jackson had his moments. 
So Yogi kind of got lost in the baseball shuffle. So they make that case. But then they also tell his life story of growing up on the hill here in St. Louis and his longstanding love affair with Carmen. Uh, They were married for more than 60 years. Um, The fact that he was at D-Day and got a a Purple Heart after the fact because he didn't want to apply for the Purple Heart because he thought it would worry his mother that he had been injured uh, in service. All that stuff comes together. It's a textured story of a great American life. Bob, when I'm looking at St. Louis, and I'm sure every city feels this way, but I look at the the number of athletes, the number of broadcasters. I feel like St. Louis has, you know, so much talent that has come out of here. And and so where would you put St. Louis on the list of of famous athletes and broadcasters that are are part of the history in this city? Well, a healthy number of outstanding athletes, including Jason Tatum Mm -hmm. of the Celtics, who scored 51 in Game 7 the other day uh, against the 76ers. Broadcasters, I think largely because of, and I hope I can say this on your station, largely because of KMOX and it's 50,000 watts and Randy was there for a while. He knows all about it. And the fact that the Cardinals were the southernmost and westernmost major league franchise prior to expansion, truly a regional franchise with those 50,000 watts booming out, uh, built a reputation so that KMOX could attract talent that was network level talent. There was a time when KMOX could have almost stocked a network sports division by themselves. Mm. So you you think about Harry Carey and Jack Buck, of course, those two are at the top of the list. But, you know, Dan Deardorff spent time at KMOX. Gary Bender had a fine career at CBS. Milo Hamilton is in the broadcaster's wing of the Baseball Hall of Fame. He was with several teams, but the Cardinals were one of them. And then you add Joe Buck to that. Dan Kelly was in his era, uh, the equivalent of Doc Emmerich more recently as the guy acclaimed as the best hockey announcer uh, at that time, and I'm leaving people out. Uh, So when it comes to broadcasting, uh, it's quite a list. Hey, Bob, I want you to repeat the story that you told last night uh, uh, with the panel discussion about Yogi Berra and your daughter. Oh, my daughter, Taylor, who I guess appropriately went on uh, to get a master's in education and teach ninth grade English literature at the high school level, uh, she was always a reader. She didn't just do her homework. She would read for her own enjoyment, even as a seven or eight-year-old in the summertime when school wasn't in session. And one of the many books uh, that she came across kind of on her own was a little book called The Yogi Book, which was a compilation of all of his um, well-known statements. He's in Bartlett's book of famous quotations about as often as Winston Churchill. So... (laughs) At one point, she's a little girl, and she says to me, Dad, do you know Yogi Berra? Well, yeah, I know Yogi Berra. And she says, you know, I'm reading this book, and he's amazing, blah, blah, blah. So a few years later, I'm talking with Yogi, and I said, you know, my daughter is a big fan of yours. And he says, well, I'd like to meet her. So, okay. So we went to Montclair, New Jersey, where Yogi and Carmen live, and we had lunch with Yogi and his wife, Carmen. At that point, Taylor was like 14 or 15 years old. But just think about that. The average person, nice person, would say, that's really nice. Maybe if she's at the ballpark, I'll say hello. Or tell her I appreciate it. Or would, would she like an autograph? That would be a, a lovely gesture. Mm. He went way beyond that. He said, let's have lunch. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great story. And it was just great seeing, too. And I know that you mentioned that it was kind of 
painted in media back then that he was almost like a comic book character. But it, he had, was such a great person. And just seeing that whole story on the field, off the field, and also the yogiisms. We've been talking about that a lot today. And we talked about that with Lindsay as well, where they were very simple, but they made sense. And they were very unique to him. And they were actually very smart. Is there any yogiisms that were your favorites and some that you kind of apply to yourself today? Well, one that does get mentioned in the uh, documentary, and I actually used it at the beginning of my eulogy for Stan Musial about 10 years ago, Yogi's astute observation. Always go to your friend's funerals. Otherwise, they won't go to yours. (laughs) I love that one, yes. (laughs) Bob, you have the Cardinals tonight on MLB Network. What have you seen uh, from them so far this season? Obviously, the season didn't start off the way that they wanted it to, but they've been picking it up lately. What have you seen from them? Yeah, that's what I've seen. Uh, (laughs) You know, you you look, you take a look at the standings, you see the Cardinals at the bottom uh, mired multiple games under 500. That's just not a Cardinal thing. Uh, they've won, I think, eight of their last ten, and they've won their last three series against the Cubs, the Red Sox, and most recently the Brewers. And now the Dodgers come in, best record in the National League. They're going to be uh, a test. Uh, as you recall, they swept the Cardinals out on the West Coast three straight uh, in April, and that really set the Cardinals into their tailspin. And since then, the Dodgers have been playing the best ball uh, in the National League and rivaling the Rays for the best ball overall. Uh, since that time, they've won, I think, 15 of 18. I'm saying I think. When I get on the air tonight, I'll know for sure. <laughs> you don't want to just say, you know, on national TV, I kind of think, and I, I, I think they won three or four. Or, I don't know, maybe it's four or five. Uh, uh, Bob, one of the interesting things about the Cardinals, and this is with three different managers, and you know as well as anybody about the Cardinal continuity, but three different managers during the last six seasons, before the All-Star break, the Cardinals play 507 ball, and after the All-Star break, the Cardinals play 595 ball. I don't know why, but there there seems to be some secret sauce with the Cardinals that uh, maybe it's a plan that allows them to play much better after the break than they play before the break. Well, as they say in the long season in baseball, um, the truth of your roster, the truth of the quality of your team usually plays out over a long period of time. Uh, the Cardinals are now six and a half back of the Brewers. Uh, Brewers are a good team. That starting rotation is very impressive. Cardinals beat Corbin Burns last night. Uh, so six and a half is a hill to climb, but it's not impossible. Much more than half the season remains. And now you have three wild cards. So the Cardinals aren't out of it. And the track record says we don't have to just look at the last several years. You can even look at last year. And they won 93 games last year. Uh, There's talent on the roster. The biggest concern for me would be uh, can they pull together a consistently effective starting rotation? Adam Wainwright going tonight has been knocked around a little bit in his first two starts back from rehab, that could be one component of that. Matthew Libertor last night, very encouraging. Uh, the bullpen, you know, I'm telling you stuff your listeners already know. The bullpen has blown more saves than any other team in baseball to this point in the season. If that doesn't change dramatically, then they're not going to be in the postseason. Hey, Bob, how do you like the new schedule? I don't have a problem with seeing every player, but I would like to have a more balanced schedule. I loved the schedule that you proposed 20 years ago. What do you think of the way it's set up now? Well, I understand their motivation. Uh, They want Shohei Otani or whoever it might be to come to every ballpark at least every other year in the other league 
and for each team to play every year. So next year, the Cardinals will play a series against the Angels. The Angels were here earlier this season. I understand that. And it's it's part of the way the game needs to be marketed now uh, to get the the stars of the game to become national figures, not just local and regional figures. The problem, if there is one with the schedule now, isn't so much the reduced number of games from 19 to 14 against the teams in your own division. It's that it's almost impossible to construct a schedule where you're playing most of your games in September within your own division, which increases the drama of a pennant race. But now there are so many boxes that have to be checked, interleague play and all the rest, uh, that it's it's difficult to really have it be fair and even. Uh, what will matter more and more isn't just who you play, but when you play them over the course of the season. Do you catch them when they're on a hot streak, or do you catch them when they're, when they're a little bit more vulnerable? And to your point, the last time the Cardinals see the Cubs in 2023 is July 30th. That just is not right. I, all due respect to Rob Manfred, the Cardinals and Cubs have to play after July 30th, don't they? Yeah, <laughs> it isn't right, especially if the Cardinals and Cubs should be neck and neck in a race. It takes the drama away, but you know what's coming when they add two expansion teams, and they will eventually – and they go to 32 teams, the odds are that they go to eight four-team divisions and two wild cards in each league. So the four-division winners plus two wild cards would make the postseason. And then they will realign, and the Cubs and Cardinals remain in the same division, probably with the Royals and the White Sox. Certainly the White Sox and Cubs being the same division. The Mets and Yankees the same. The Angels and Dodgers the same. Um to, to highlight those those rivalries. So the leagues will go away uh, in large part, and it will become more, you know, who's your city or who's your natural rival. Hey, Bob, one more thing, because we have a lot of younger listeners, people that are, are 25 and younger, that might not realize how meaningful it is for Bob Costas to come into St. Louis and do games at Bush Stadium. Oh, it absolutely is. Um, you know, you have that hometown feeling. I try to get back to St. Louis as often as I can. And when people ask me, I know people have heard me say this before, uh, what's your hometown? Uh, I always say St. Louis. Uh, many people think of it that way. They'll say, you're from St. Louis, aren't you? Strangers. Someone you're sitting next to on a plane or, or whatever. Uh, but it's also just a very nice feeling to see all the familiar faces. I'm not talking about the players. I'm talking about the people who work at the ballpark. Uh, and in the press box, or uh, the person who checks your credential at the clubhouse. Uh, it's just different for me walking into the ballpark in St. Louis than any other city. Robert, it was good to see you last night. It's always good to talk to you. Thanks so much for the time. We do appreciate it. And go get him tonight with Tom Verducci on MLB Network. Thanks, Randy. Take care. That is the Hall of Famer, the great Bob Costas, joining us on the Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Brooke.